Ever since I was a young man, I've always kind of enjoyed St. Joseph. He was a very inspirational figure to me, especially because as a kid, I often liked to make toys and work with wood and do things like that. So the first thing that I loved about him was that he was a carpenter. The second thing, though, that I liked about St. Joseph was that he was a kind of like one of those strong, silent types. He never, he didn't really, doesn't talk at all during the scriptures. We only, the only word that we know that he actually said was the, word, the name Jesus, because he named Jesus. But he very, was clearly a very decisive leader. And I thought that was a very cool attribute of St. Joseph. But probably the thing that I loved the most about St. Joseph was that Joseph was and is my middle name. And so he, that, was, that was a very precious thing for me. But as much as I love St. Joseph and as much as I loved you know, being named after him and everything about him, the things that always troubled me about this kind of mysterious character in Scripture was that he divorced his wife. Why did he divorce his wife? It was, it was a question that has always haunted me, a question that... It's always kind of bothered me, but kind of in discovering the answer, at least the theories of the answer, on why Joseph actually divorced his wife, I think it can help us a lot in our own spiritual journeys and our own ability to make decisions. So let's first examine this whole Joseph divorcing his wife. The scriptures say that Joseph was a just man. And during the betrothal period, he decided to not basically quietly divorce his wife and not expose his wife Mary to shame. Now, before we kind of get into that little background, the betrothal period was the period between the contractual binding of the marriage and the consummation of the marriage. Basically, for about a year or so, this is kind of like what we would, kind of like what modern day terms would be like an engagement, for about a year or so after they promise each other in marriage... They would wait about a year, and then then she would go and move into the house of Joseph. And so in a sense, well, based off of modern canon law terms, it wasn't a full total marriage. It It wasn't indissoluble because it was never consummated. So just based off of our modern understanding, there is a way that he can do it and he can do it legally. But canon law didn't exist back then. Our theology of marriage didn't really exist back then. So it still looked a little strange, especially why would a just man be doing this? And so the fathers of the church mulled this over a lot, this question. And three theories emerged. The first theory is the suspicion theory. This is a theory, basically the idea that Joseph suspected that the child from who, with whom Mary was pregnant with was a child of another man. And that Mary had committed adultery. And so because of his own justice, his own just nature, him not wanting to participate in immorality or encourage it, he decided he would follow the law outlined in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, and quietly divorce his bride, but not expose her to shame. So that was his first, that was, that's the first main theory. The proponents of this theory are St. Justin Martyr, St. John Chrysostom, and St. Augustine, some of the hardest hitters in the church. The next theory is the perplexity theory. That is this idea that Joseph heard and found out that, okay, Mary's pregnant. What do I do? 
I mean, Mary is such a, you know, Mary's such a wonderful person. I can't imagine this is, this is done out of adultery. Yes, this could have been the child of God. This could have, but that's, nobody's ever heard of that. This is that's such an, a bizarre thing. And so out of his kind of overwhelmed feeling, out of his perplexity, he decided, you know what, I'm just going to take a step back because I, I don't know what to do in this situation. He simply could not fathom what was going on. The proponent of this theory was St. Jerome. And in fact, this theory was so popular that, that this commentary was put in the, ordin- in the glosses of the Middle Ages. That is basically the biblical commentaries of the Middle Ages. That Joseph, out of his confusion, decided to, out of, and out of justice, decided he, he could not be Mary's husband. The third theory, my personal favorite theory, is the reverence theory. That is the idea that Joseph actually knew that this was the child of God, that actually knew that, that this child was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was, fully, he was fully aware of the whole situation. And out of his own feeling of unworthiness, out of his own feeling of inadequacy, then he decided that it would be best if he quietly divorced his wife, not exposing her to shame. The proponents of this theory were nothing other than the great St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bernard of Clairvaux. But the question becomes, which theory is correct? Which one's right? Was it suspicion? Was it perplexity? Or was it reverence? And I would argue that all three could be correct. All three of them. I mean, why not? He could have easily been suspect. He could have easily been confused. And he could have easily had, had a deep sense of reverence within him. Because let's face it, you and I, whenever we face big decisions, have all three of these things going through our minds. We suspect if the decision is a good decision, we're confused by the the grandness and the, the implications that might come to mind, and how often do we experience reverence, that is, feeling unworthy to undertake whatever the decision might be, might be. whether it's discerning a vocation, whether it's taking on a new job, whether it's, it's growing your family, it's, it's whatever. Very often, suspicion, perplexity, and reverence tend to play a large part within our hearts tend to play a large part within the decisions that we are trying to make. And the fact of the matter is, is very often whenever we're faced with these three, this kind of three-headed monster, whenever we face a big decision, what do we often do? We freeze. We can't make a decision. We kind of sit on it and wonder about it and think about it. This is a very, very common experience. This is nothing unusual. And the reason why we're so fearful is because we're so fearful of making the wrong decision. We're so fearful of messing up. We're so fearful of stepping out of line and not really doing what we should be doing. And yet, that's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph decided to make a decision. And guess what? It was the wrong decision. He shouldn't have divorced his wife. He shouldn't have come to that conclusion. He made objectively the wrong decision. And salvation, the salvation of humanity depended upon it. But guess what? The Lord did not give up on him. The Lord did not abandon him. And what he shows us, what the Lord shows us in this story By the fact that the Lord intervened, spoke to him in a dream, and corrected the course of Joseph, 
what he reveals to us is that the most important part of decision making isn't intelligence, isn't cunning, isn't wit, isn't weighing the facts, it's faithfulness. It's fidelity to God, it's fidelity to his promises, and always remaining faithful to the Lord, knowing that the Lord will always hold our hand through the entire process of the decision making, even if we make the wrong one. The Lord will be right there, holding our hand, accompanying us through the mess, and making it right. But don't take my word for it, take Psalm 35's word for it. The steps of a man are from the Lord, and he establishes him in whose ways he delights. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord is the stay of his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is, give, he is ever giving liberally and lending, and his children become a blessing. My dear friends, the steps of a man are from the Lord, and the Lord will guide us even though we fall. Go on, Psalm 92. The just man shall flourish like the palm tree, and like a cedar of Lebanon shall he grow. The purpose and the point of Joseph isn't that he's a a wise and prudent man. The point of Joseph is that he's a just and righteous man. That he's a faithful man. And that he stays close to Christ. And yet, the irony is that with all these psalms, With all of this, the just man shall flourish like a palm tree. I would argue Joseph never saw any of that. What happened to Joseph? He agreed to take Mary into his home. He agreed to be the foster father of Jesus. And what does he have to do right after that? He goes to Bethlehem. He goes to take the census. And then he has to abandon ship and go to Egypt. That long, arduous trek to Egypt. Stay there to avoid Herod, basically an army of men trying to kill his son, then leave, come back to Jerusalem, at least that's, that's what we last hear from him, go to the, do, do a pilgrimage in the temple where we see Joseph, find Jesus at 12 years old in the temple, and then they go back to Nazareth. And we never hear from him after that. We never, ever hear from him after that. Think about what that means. That means that Joseph gave up his life. He sacrificed everything that he had All because he heard in a dream that this was the child of God. He never actually saw this come into fruition. He never actually saw Jesus get baptized. He never saw Jesus work a miracle. He never saw his son call 12 men and lead them into the army, lead them into the the depths of darkness and conquer it. He never saw his son get crucified. And he never saw his son rise from the dead. Joseph essentially was faithful to a promise that he never, ever saw come to fruition. Which I think is a lesson for all of us. Guys, we're going to be faced with decisions. And very often our decisions that we make, although it might be the right decision, although we might be faithful to God, although all the boxes might be checked, might not bear a lot of fruit in your lifetime. It might not look like it's worth it. It might not look like it pays off, 
But Joseph is here to remind us that it does in the end, that he has our back. So my dear friends, it's Christmas time. Christmas is upon us. It's actually still Advent, but Christmas practically is here, which means that family is upon us. It usually means that decisions are upon us. So my encouragement to you is be like St. Joseph. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. And don't fear making a wrong decision. Because if there's anything this story can tell us, it's that God can always write straight with crooked lines.